As humans, we often struggle with context when it comes to our faith and regularly fail to apply the Word of God in our daily lives. Verita's podcast is a weekly Bible study led by Rev. C.B. Samuel and through it, we try to understand and locate the roles we are called to play in the world we live in by delving into the teachings of the Holy Bible. We welcome you to join us in learning more from the Word of God and in learning how to live out meaningful lives as Christians. Okay, I hope, uh, you know, you got time uh, to listen to that video, uh, not the video, the talk. I think it's a podcast that I had sent uh, by uh, R.C. Sproul. Uh, I had asked Mati to send it in, which he did, on the millennium. Now, today I finished looking at the book of Revelation, but as I promised, I said we will uh, look at... Uh, you know, some of the key issues which relate to this whole area of uh, the book of Revelation and a lot of doctrinal issue issues. Now, I was in preparation listening to and reading a lot of, uh, you know, lectures on the subject, uh, not on the book of Revelation, on some of these doctrinal issues. And uh, one of them, you know, every, so many uh, videos are there in YouTube and in podcasts on the subject of uh, rapture or tribulation and the millennium. And uh, one I found very interesting was, you know, so you know, as I said, some are extremely good uh, scholar, scholarly uh, studies of the scripture, which uh, tell you what the Bible says and Asis Prowl was one such, uh, uh, you know, presentation. He talks about the various views on it, uh, but uh, it doesn't, sometimes it's clear that he doesn't tell what he himself stands for, believes. Uh, but on the other hand, there are others who are strong opinion uh, on the issues. And what is true is that we have, uh, you know, all of them are very sincere uh, students of the word of God. And they're trying to make sense of the different teachings on the end of the world, uh, because Revelation is specifically about that. But one, and not only scholars, we have not only pastors, we have also others who perhaps uh, are very good students of the word, but may not uh, be keen on the scholarly background and things like that. And uh, one of them had a very interesting uh, reading of the scripture. You know, he said, uh, you know, the whole issue of locating each of these things, we will go into that in a few minutes, uh, you know, about the rapture, the tribulation. And his view, like many others, is that the rapture of the church will take, back, take place before uh, the tribulation period or the persecution or all those, you know, we said, we heard last time, you know, at least the book of Revelation, the seven trumpets and all those things before that happens. Uh, and so according to him, he said, uh, the nation Israel is a very important part of, you know, God's prophetic word relating to the second coming or the end of the world. And he said, the nation Israel, which we know, became a nation or it came to be an established nation state on May, I don't know the actual date, I think he said May 27th, I think 1948. And he used the scripture from Daniel chapter 9, 10, you know, there are visions there to say 
that uh, this generation which sees it happening will be there till the end. And he used another passage from the Psalms to say a generation, according to the scripture, is 80 years. So he said uh, his calculation was uh, 80 years from the time Israel became a nation. Uh, that is 1948. So he said May 27th, 2028 is the date he was uh, talking about Christ's second coming, even though Jesus said nobody knows the date. Now his way of calculating. But what was interesting, he said seven years before that, the rapture will take place. And according to him, it's May 27, 2021. So it's good, uh, Bonnie, that Arpit is coming home this week. Uh, because uh, basically, you know, according to him, we are almost at that place with all the things that are happening. So I was wondering as to whether his teaching was recent or was it a, many of the YouTube presentations are two years ago, three years ago. But I was quite relieved that his teaching was just last week, which means uh, you know he could be influenced with all that is happening around in his way of interpreting the scripture. So I had a you know good smile about it. I just laughed to myself because a lot of people have done those kind of date fixing. Some people have said 2018. Some people said different things. So this is the closest to our time when somebody has said working on Israel's uh, formation as a nation state in 1948 and giving 20 years, uh, you know, 80 years since then, and then seven years for the tribulation. So you will find a lot of teaching, you know, people giving very clear uh, uh, opinion about the uh, end of the world. But that's not what I'm looking at today. I'm looking at a few key issues, which any person studying the Bible has to grapple with, you know, because some of the words which we use in terms of doctrine are not found in the scripture. For instance, the word rapture uh, is not there in the scripture as a word, you know, you know, it's just uh, the, they say the Greek word or the Latin word for rapture is being taken up. So in Thessalonians, Paul talks about the church being taken up, you know, that when Jesus comes, and those who are on earth will be taken up. So that is where the concept of being taken up is used. And then the word tribulation, you know, of course, tribulation is used in many places, but a period called tribulation is what uh, we were looking at in the book of Revelation when we started looking at chapter six onwards till almost the, I think the end of the chapter 2019, that period when all those wrath uh, actions of wrath from God, and then finally the uh, throwing into the fiery lake of the beast and the prophet, and when all the uh, you know punishment ends, and then there is a thousand years millennium period which is called the millennium. So that period is called the tribulation. Now these are all there in the scripture, the church being caught up in heaven when Jesus comes and then the whole section where there is a lot of suffering on earth and all those, you know, the punishments which are decided in heaven and then earth goes through those consequences. And then there is one period which we looked at the last few, and I think Bible study before last week, 
when we looked at the millennium, you know, or those thousand years. Now, the, now that, those are three things that you can't deny. It is there in the Bible, you know, that talks about the church being caught up, the whole issue of the uh, world, earth going through major experience of the anger of God, and also the period of thousand years when God reigns. Now, the views on the second coming are divided on these three issues. Now, one is the question of, will the church be taken up? Now, uh, it, it, Thessalonians talks about the church being taken up. Revelation, we didn't see that. And uh, Jesus' teaching on the second coming, which we looked at in Mark's gospel, doesn't say anything about the church being taken up. It talks about Jesus coming in the air. And then he will establish, you know, the you know the kingdom, or he will come down. Uh, now, so the whole question is, when will that happen? So that's one of the scholarship issues. I hope you listen to the video that I sent and or the podcast, because uh, Asi Sproul takes time to explain all that is there and the different views. And uh, for most, uh, you know, I wouldn't say all the scholars. But many uh, Bible-believing evangelical scholars would say that the church will be taken up before the period which is called the tribulation. That means all that we read in the book of Revelation, uh, the punishment and the pain, the church will not go through it. The church. So that is where they would call, they would have the theory of pre-tribulation period. You know, whether the church is pre-tribulation or whether the church will go through the tribulation, or whether the rapture will take place after the tribulation. So there is the pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, and the tribulation period. So that is one view which people have, that the church will be taken off before Jesus, before uh, the tribulation takes place. And so uh, there are those like R.C. Sproul himself, his question would be that if the church is taken off, you know, which he talks about in that talk, I think, is that if it is taken off, you know, there is no such concept of the church being taken off. Uh, you know, that means Jesus comes in the air and the, those who are living on earth who are his people will be caught up and then we will be taken off to some place and then afterwards we'll come back again with Jesus. And he says there is no such uh, understanding as far as the scripture is taken off, maybe there, but there is nothing of two comings of Jesus. So, there is, so that is why some people don't agree with that. Uh, but most uh, thing is that the concern is whether the church will go through the tribulation period or not. Now, when we read about the tribulation period, we, we read about it early in all those uh, nice chapters from 6 to 19 of Revelation. It's clear that during all that was happening, there were a lot of people who stood faithful to God, and there were mark of, of God put on their forehead. Now, whether these are people who, during the tribulation period, come to know Jesus Christ, or, or uh, you know, or is it somebody else? Because if the church is taken off before the tribulation, then the question is, who are these people who? have the mark of God on their forehead and who stood faithful, did not accept the mark of the beast. Now, as uh, Asi Sproul would say, that there are others who would believe that uh, that time, it is largely about the nation Israel. Uh, 
and there will be people in the nation Israel who will stand faithful to God, who will stand against the beast. So that is uh, one particular teaching. Whether the, if the church is taken off, you know, are there going to be new believers in God during the tribulation period? And then some people would say the church will go through tribulation. And then after the tribulation, where it's over, and according to using uh, interpretation of Daniel chapter 9, they would say the tribulation is for seven years. Now, whether it is symbolic seven years or actual seven years uh, is always another matter of discussion. But most Bible scholars would say it's for actual seven years because using Daniel's interpretation of 70 times seven and all those things. And so they would say there is a seven year period and the first half of that seven year is where uh, the beast, which we saw in the book of Revelation, will deceive people to get his, the loyalty of the people. So that would be a time in which everybody follows the beast. We've seen all this in Revelation, it's all there. It's not uh, something which is uh, cooked up but, uh, by these theologians. But basically they say there would be a time when the beast will work with the nations and with the religious leaders. And then the second half of the three and a half of seven years will be the time when the persecution of those who believe in God will happen. So there is two sections. And in the second half is where they would say that the Armageddon and all the nations coming to fight and all those things will take place. Now the church may or may not be there. So that is a true views on the rapture. So those who believe the church will be there, believe that at the end of the tribulation period, Jesus will come. And at that time, the church will be caught up and we will be taken to heaven to be with God. And Jesus will reign on earth for the thousand years, not with the entire uh, church there. The church will come as the bride later on, but the thousand years where that will be ruled by Jesus and those who last time we saw, those who will reign with him, selected people perhaps, and there will be a time of peace and the kingdom values will be in existence. So that is where you come up, we come up with the teaching of the millennium. So as far as tribulation and millennium are concerned, it's very clear that they follow each other. You know, tribulation is followed by the millennium. There, there is no confusion. But on the millennium, there are three views on it. And uh, one is that the thousand years, which is talked about, is not a real thousand years. It is actually uh, you know, a symbolic picture. And it is about, uh, some people would say, not that they don't believe in the thousand years, but they say it's not, uh, not real, it's symbolic. So they would call the, the theology is called a millennium uh, or a millennial theology, which means there is no actual thousand years, but actually with Jesus ascension, uh, the thousand years have begun, you know, and uh, the thousand years will continue in a time when uh, the church will, the kingdom of God has been inaugurated on earth and people will see the effect of the kingdom. Now, especially people had hoped that the church will have a great influence on the world and people will see the fruit of the kingdom's presence. And so the thousand years will be a time in which they expected the kingdom, 
to be effective on earth, not that the whole earth was going to fall over. But of course, even those who believe in the Armelian theology will say that uh, towards the end of it, there would be a lot of uh, falling away and the church itself will compromise. And then uh, God will come back and establish the kingdom. So it's uh, so some people would believe it's a symbolic thing and they would call it the Armelian. Some would say, that is uh, premillennium, you know, that is uh, the amillennium theology and the premillennium is the fact of where will the church be? You know, we talked about it, you know, whether the church would be raptured before the millennium and then, uh, you know, there will be the thousand years or at the end of the thousand years, you know, the post millennium. So we still saw that. So these are the three views. And then there is the other issue of the Antichrist. Now, again, the, the whole issue is that the teaching on the Antichrist definitely is that of someone or a whole system or many people who are called Antichrist. In fact, John would say these are Antichrists. So he used the plural. Now, perhaps it means these are people who function with the same spirit of Antichrist and the Antichrist would be not so much only those who are against Christ, but who give an alternate claim that they are the Messiah. So that's basically how it were, you know, the Antichrist. And uh, so the whole issue is when does the Antichrist come in? Now, uh, John would say, even in his time, he writes in first epistle of John, he said, many have left and these are the antichrists. So that means people who have been influenced by wrong teaching and who are claiming that, uh, sorry, and who are claiming that uh, God is, uh, you know, uh, the, the, and the Christ Messiah has already come. They, John would call them the Antichrist or those who denied Jesus is the Messiah. But actually, when you read other places, you know, like in uh, the Re book of Revelation, definitely there is someone who comes in, in the, you know, it uses the fact of the beast and the and dragon that falls and all those symbols to say there is one actual person who would be called the Antichrist. And uh, Paul talks about him, but he uses another phrase. He calls him the man of lawlessness. So definitely towards the end of history, there would be one person uh, in Revelation, it's identified as the beast and uh, or the dragon. And the beast is what is more close to the truth of Antichrist. And they will come and then to make things more complicated, we have an identification of the Antichrist, that is the number 666. Now, uh, what Bible scholars would say that uh, the 666 is not so much a number which uh, a person would have, but a way of interpreting a particular name in numericals. That is uh, a, a, a kind of a practice that was there even in Jesus' time. And this Bible scholar, I think maybe it's R.C. Sproul himself who says that, uh, you know, that uh, the Latin numbers and lat Latin words, uh, alphabets were used like that. For instance, the Latin, you know, what we call Roman numerals, the, word, the letter X, is uh, supposed to be number 10 
and the letter C is 100. And so we use it in the Roman numerals, all the Latin letters are used in what it's called Roman numerals. So the way of identifying certain letters with number. So 666 is a possibility. And they said that during John's time, uh, the ruthless emperor at that time was Nero and his name uh, could be put into that 666. And it was a code that they developed uh, to communicate among themselves so that the Christian church will be protected but they all understood among themselves who it was talking about or who was being talked about. But then when we read the book of Revelation, that number is repeated as the number that would happen during the end days, which means that uh, either the same kind of characteristics which uh, are mentioned there about the beast a person would have or a system would have it, and the possibility is that the name of the person or the system can be reduced to a number, a numeral of 666. So people have tried all through history when they found an uncomfortable leader around who was a global leader and who was ruthless and selfish. They said this could be the Antichrist and this could be 666. And they worked hard to reduce their actual name to numbers and then came up somehow to say that this is, I remember when I was young, it was Henry Kissinger. I don't know why he was called, perhaps he was a man of peace. I think he went around trying to uh, help America have better relationship with everyone, better in the sense of where America can have more control over the world. Um, but uh, he was seen as a man who talked about peace and then, I remember someone coming to me once when I was speaking and saying Obama is 666. Now, I don't know whether uh, you know Obama's name can be somehow connected to, I don't know why Trump didn't get into that category, but uh, you know, the whole issue of this numbering of people, you know, perhaps it's an exercise which was there at that time by which Nero was identified. And uh, there is a possibility that names can be uh, somehow connected to numer uh, numericals and communicated, but there's no way, no, there's now no clue at all as to how we will interpret 666. At all it says is, you know, uh, try, you know, you should have an understanding of it. In fact, uh, the words are almost as though that uh, it shouldn't be a problem. He says, this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man, that number is 666, you know. So it says for a man, let the person who has insight. Now, perhaps that word insight would mean someone who has a revelation from God uh, based on the understanding of the scripture. And that revelation of God perhaps is something that uh, may be given at the appropriate time and given to help the church to identify who the 666 is. But apart from that, there is no other uh, understanding. So that's basically the whole, uh, you know, the doctrinal issue. It's a very important thing. Now, how does it affect us? That's a big question to ask. You know, what difference does it make whether the church will be taken off or the church is going to be around and what about the thousand years and tribulation? I think the one is that uh, 
when we are going through suffering, I perhaps when you look at the early church, they would have used it or as a very healthy way of saying, uh, it is not going to be long. It won't be long. You know, uh, this suffering will, you know, the children of God will be taken up to heaven. Perhaps it was used as a word of encouragement to say that when they were going through all this tough, difficult situation, I was reading about Nero uh, and not just in, uh, you know, Christian history books, even in uh, secular, I was reading a book, I think I told you, Tom Holland's Dominion. And he talks about the ruthless ways in which the Romans dealt with those who opposed them. And uh, Nero was one of one such person. And uh, I'm sure they would have, like John in the book of Revelation, would have been very comforted to know that even though Nero was very powerful, that the church itself will be protected. You know, there would be suffering, but there would come a time when the church itself would be taken up. And uh, then God's judgment will take place. That's the second thing, is that the definiteness of judgment on the world, and in spite of all the actions they did, God will punish. And uh, so their God will vindicate the righteous people and will punish the world for the evil that is present in the world. Now, these are very important things. So when we talk about the tribulation, it's very clear that it's a whole lot of extended punishment of God. But also that was supposed to uh, be a challenge for all of us, especially for those who are not in the church. One is to turn towards God because the judgment is definite. And uh, whether we die when Jesus is here, you know, comes or uh, we are dead or we are alive, as the Bible says, then one day that we will stand before God. And at that time, it would be too late. Uh, and uh, the whole issue is that of uh, we getting our act together and not being surprised by the fact that one day we will all have to stand before God. I said that last time as well. So the teaching on the fact of the judgment. But another important aspect for the people of Israel would be the nation of Israel itself. And uh, what does the Bible say? Now, that is something which is a major problem in the understanding of all these eschatological teaching. Because those who believe that the uh, thousand years is already here, uh, believe that also I realize they believe that the church is the new Israel. Israel, after they rejected Jesus, no longer are the people of God. So the people of God are the church. So there is uh, nothing after that which is Israel-centered. Uh, even though there are teachings about Jesus coming again and he will appear and he will appear on the Mount of Olives and all those things, you know, the place about Jerusalem, they, it's more, they say, maybe symbolic or it's only the place. It's not the people of Israel because God has rejected. Now, of course, it's very hard, you know, even though we don't, many of us perhaps are not great admirers of Israel as a nation and its way of dealing with people. Israel as a nation is definitely uh, in the scripture, part of the blessing or the call of Abraham. And the whole of the Old Testament is very Israel-centered writing. 
and God punished them. God dealt with them. The book of Amos, it says, you only have I called, so you only will I punish. So Israel goes through the punishment. And, uh, and then what happens is the book of Revelation talks about Israel and Paul writing and saying, God has not rejected Israel once for all, you know, because he says God made a promise. And Paul himself would say that if given a chance, he said, I don't mind losing my salvation for the sake of the people of Israel. So we should not get confused with uh, the nation Israel as it is today, and therefore uh, not taking seriously what the scripture says about the second coming, and especially in terms of the nation Israel. And uh, we don't know how it works out because the group which is the pre-millennium group, uh, which believes that uh, the, all the teachings about Christ and uh, the tribulation is all before the millennium, they would say that uh, the thousand years is a later period. So with the coming of Jesus, they said what has been inaugurated is not the kingdom age, but the church age. So the church is living. Church is what it is. But parallel to that, there is also the nation Israel. So God is dealing with two particular entities. One is the church and one is the nation Israel. And all the promises of the Old Testament which relate to the second coming or the end of the world, relate to the nation Israel. And it will be fulfilled, according to them, in actual uh, you know, happening. Like in the coming of Jesus in the first time, he came to Israel, Bethlehem was where Jesus was born, and in Jerusalem was where he was rejected. All those prophecies were related to Israel. And they would say it is the same prophetic teach tradition in which God will fulfill his promise to Israel as a nation. So there are two entities, the church and Israel. And whereas those who believe in the, what we call the amillennial theology, they don't believe Israel has a place at all. The new people of God are, is the church, but the premillennial theology would believe in both. Now the postmillennial theology, which believes that God has already inaugurated is more close to the Pre, uh, to the amillennial, Israel has no place. But when we read the Old Testament, much of the promises which were given to Israel are yet to be fulfilled as a nation. We can't simply say that it's been now will be fulfilled in the church. There are a lot of things. And one particular uh, teaching which most of them would use is the fact that Israel was punished and thrown out and God in Jesus, when Jesus spoke to them, Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed and people had been taken away. But there was also the promise that he will bring them back. And most of the Christian historians would use the fact that Israel is the only nation, which I know according to historians is that which went out of the map and came again as a nation after 2000 years. They said there is no other, you know, all the powerful empires have come and gone and many nations have disappeared. But Israel for 2000 years was not anywhere. There were a people called the Jews, but there was no nation called Israel. And in 1948, they were established. And they said that very prophetic word in the Old Testament, which says God will bring them back from different parts of the earth, is, has a, is a very clear indicator 
that you can't bypass the prophetic word relating to the nation Israel. Now, it doesn't say where it uh, connects to the people of God uh, as the church, because Israel as a nation, uh, as we know today, is not a nation that is friendly towards uh, the church. You know, it may be friendly because of, uh, you know, political and economic reasons, but not theological reasons. You know, many Jews would reject the claim of Jesus as the Messiah. They wouldn't accept Jesus as the Messiah. So there is a group which would be called the Jews for Jesus kind of movement, which is the remnant among Israel. Now, some people would say when it talks about Israel being centered in the God's uh, prophetic word in the future, it's largely about the remnant, the Jews for Jesus. So there's a drive among the people of Israel to bring them to Jesus Christ. But I don't know how uh, successful they are. And many of those who are very Israel-centered would say that one day they would call out to God again. And especially in during the tribulation period, when the beast very specifically aims at Israel and what would happen is they would cry out. And that is where it says when all the nations would come against Israel and they would come to the place called Armageddon where God would act. Now that, that's basically where we are as far as the teaching on the uh, second coming is concerned. So that, those are the ways which are you know, locating what it says about Israel you know, getting our act together in terms of judgment and knowing the fact that God cares for his righteous people are all some of the things which have practical implications. Now, I'm not somebody who uh, has put applied my mind. I've applied my mind to study Revelation, but I don't think I have applied my mind to locate whether the rapture takes place before or after or in between. And uh, that's very difficult to know because the rapture is only found in Paul's teaching on Thessalonians when it talks about the church being taken up to heaven. But then it's a very strong theology for many people, you know, and I remember in the 60s, you know, there were uh, the whole, uh, you know, the teaching was, you know, tomorrow morning I may not be around. And I remember stickers saying, you know, this car uh, the driver will not be there when Jesus comes or something like that. And all sorts of things, you know, the belief that we will be taken away, which is very good, which gives us the hope that one day we will see Jesus. Uh, but uh, that's where it is. So I thought I will just give you an overview and uh, let you have any questions that you would have uh, on this, because uh, there's nothing more which you can do about the doctrine of second coming, but it's very important whether we understand it or not, it's very important to apply our mind, you know, to it. And I think, uh, you know, we may come from different cultural situation, but it's good to know. I, I, I think I always remember one of my trips to Germany and uh, I was going to, I'm not sure which place I was going to, but I remember getting off at Frankfurt. And then I took a train to go to this place. And they had told me which uh, platform the train will come. And they also told me that every half an hour, this, there'll be train from this particular place. And uh, they told me that uh, because knowing when I was arriving and how long it would take for me to arrive at the airport, they said, if you arrive at one something, 
uh, you can get a train, otherwise at two something. So I came to the station. By the time I came to the station, it was past two o'clock and they told me 2.14, uh, the train will leave from there. And at about uh, later on, uh, it's a four hour journey or three hour journey, so I forgot the details. And they said at 5.17 or something, it will come to, now I was not used to 2.14 and 5.17 in India. It's any time between two to five in our country. And uh, anyway, I got into the train and I was wondering, and I got in and exactly 2.14, it moved. And uh, this being my one of my very rare times when I have gone by train uh, in European countries other than Britain, uh, I was quite anxious because I didn't know where to get off and I was looking at every station and looking at my watch. And uh, at one, uh, one point, a man who was sitting next to me or he had come in, he knew I was very anxious and looking outside, you know, didn't want to miss the train because those trains don't stop for too long. It's like our metro, I think it just stops and then you get off. And uh, so he asked me as to where I was going, you know, where I was planning to get off, I told him. And then he said, oh, you know, it will come to this place at about 5.19 or something like that. And he said, you don't have to worry. It won't come one minute before, it won't come one minute late. And exactly it came, and so I didn't, so I was comfortable. I knew that I won't miss the station as long as I kept to the time. And the book of Revelation is like that. It helps you to know, you know, when, when you see certain signs happening, uh, so it's good to read the book. We may not understand everything, but one thing is that it says certain things which helps us to locate ourselves in terms of what God is doing. Thank you for taking time out and being a part of this Bible study. Veritas Podcast is a podcast run by students and we upload every week on Wednesdays. If you find our content engaging and wish to know more, kindly subscribe to our podcast channel Thank you for listening and we hope that you are blessed by this initiative.